What did we preach on last Wednesday? Good. Y'all are paying attention. This is going to be Rhema 2, I think, Rhema number 2. What's a Rhema part 2? You know, since, since being born again, I had my encounter with God, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, he answered my prayer. I love it. And I want to go over that for a minute with you, just a little bit, tell you some of the things that happened when I first got saved. Um, there was a little church in Dorville, Georgia on Tilly Mill Road. It was a charismatic church that my mom went to right after she got saved. Well, naturally, she took me, and God had gotten me a job working at certain teed by now. And now that means I'm working three Sundays a month. I'm only going to church one Sunday a month. Boy, I want to go to church so bad. And um, so I, I'm in church. Now, you understand, for me to walk into a church with people lifting their hands, uh, prophesying, praying in tongues, and I'd seen tongues because my sister married a Church of God boy. I seen a little rolling in the floor and all that. Didn't sure, didn't, wasn't quite sure what it all meant. But the thing that, because now I'm born again, I'm sitting in a church, and the man's up there preaching, doing a great job, and I walked out, and I said, God, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about church. I don't know anything about church. I don't know anything about Christians. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. You know, because to me, it's like Baskin-Robbins. There's so many flavors. You know, and I don't know anything about a Nazarene. I don't know anything about a Baptist. I don't know anything about a Catholic. I know nothing. And I said, you know, after today, if I get messed up, you know, I'm just going to tell you it's going to be your fault. Because you're going to have to make sure I get taught right. And I want to know. I want to know, who, I want to know correct right off the bat. I don't, want to, I don't want to get sidetracked. Well, my mother had a friend named Virginia Galloway. They owned Galloway Hardware Store. She's one of the ladies that helped pray me in. Had a son named Tommy. That was my mother's best friend. Well, Virginia um, lived right around, the, right around the corner from the church, just probably a mile. And I used to go down to what we call the 7-Eleven. You know, I think we have them here. But, you know, everywhere you go in the world, there's get and go, up and wince, in and out, all kind of stores, names. But I went down, and we would sit on the curb outside and have a, uh, a Coca-Cola and a Butterfinger, and we'd have lunch, and we'd sit and wait for church that night. We'd, we didn't have any money, but we'd already driven 50-something miles one way to go to church. We're not going to leave. We're going to have church. So Virginia walks up to me and says, uh, I want you to go home for lunch today. And I went, oh, yeah, that's God. <laughs> so she takes me home and the girls and fed us. And I still remember today, white bread, bologna sandwich, mustard, mayonnaise, potato chips, and Coke. You know, I don't eat any of that now. But I remember sitting down and eating, and then she came up and she sat down at the table with me, and she said, the Lord laid it on my heart to give you three books, to loan them to you, let you borrow them. Right and Wrong Thinking by Kenneth Hagin, um, Redeemed from the Curse of the Law, and Kenneth Copeland, The Laws of Prosperity. She said, when you come back, which will be a month, bring these books back, and I'll give you three more. Now, to me, that was God answering the prayer right off the bat. That was my introduction to Kenneth E. Hagin. Never, never read a book by anybody before. I never, I mean, I, my mother gave me King's Kid, but other than that, I never read a Christian book in my life. Second book I ever read, Kenneth E. Hagin. Well, you're talking about God answering my prayer. And, um, and so I, 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 um, 
I read those three books, and of course when I read them, I read my Bible with them. I, I read the Bible, I read the scriptures that were in that book, and I read it over and over and over and over and over again because I got them for, I got them for 30 days, and I might as well read them over and over and over and over. And so that's how I began learning the Bible. I would just read his books, read his books, read his books, read them of a Bible along with it so that the, whatever was written in here started making sense based on his story, told a lot of stories. And then I went back, and I don't remember the next three books, but she gave me three more books to turn those in. So that went on for a little while. She began to spoon-feed me the Word of God. Then I lived in that, that mobile home park, in Lago Trailer Park, $100 a month for a rent, little, little air conditioner in the living room. That's all there was. You had to sit right in front of it or you can forget it, no AC. And, um, and so um, I moved into an apartment complex, and guess uh, there's a lady there named Judy Brown, and she's teaching a Bible study and using Kenneth e. Hagin's material. Now, I, I, lived, I moved right across the street from her. You're talking about God. You're talking about the, the, the sovereignty of God. There is a sovereignty of God. Okay. You're talking about God moving everything in heaven and earth in my way to answer one prayer. Make sure I get started right. I want to know. I want to know right. So having said that, Kenneth A. Hagin, the Lord told him, go teach my people faith. Well, after, after learning and learning and learning faith and learning, you know, from Brother Hagin, there is one message that other than, you know, the, being born again, a new creation, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that has worked for me, worked. I mean, actually open up my Bible and, and get God to move that has helped me more than anything else, and we're going to talk about that right now. That's, I mean, bar none, if everything else isn't working, this, it works. It works all the time. And it's confessing the word. It's, the, it's what is rhema, or we would call it the message of confessing the word. Confession. Now, Brother Hagin starts off all of his messages by saying there's two types of confession. Confession of sin, which is negative, not really negative, but then the confessing of the word of God, which most people don't know anything about. So I want to start off with the scripture we started last week, and I gave you some Scriptures to study and all that, and I didn't bring them out with me. Uh, Romans 10, 17. Let's begin there. And I want you to take notes. I really want you to pay attention. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And I can't think of anybody in this church hadn't heard this hundred times. Now, the problem is, is that when you start hearing something over and over and over, you have an idea, I got that. Well, I'm reading this now, and I'm going to tell you, I don't have it. I don't have it. I know you don't. It's not like you get it and you, and you got it. It's like you get it and you got to get it again. You, it, is, it is a life style of living. It's, a, it's like uh, I went to the gym, you're going back. I went walking, you're going to walk again. You, 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 you know, walking and getting out and exercising is real good. But you know what? Uh, we went over to um, Sean and his wife's house last night and had Cambodian food. Oh, that's the best Thai food I ever ate in my life. That woman, Justin and I looked at her and said, you, you better start a restaurant, lady. I mean, I, I was on a diet until I got there, honest. And half of what I ate, three quarters was, was keto, spring rolls and everything. I made a, I mean, I left there and they rolled me out. Anyway, I don't know how we got off on that. But, um, but, you, but if you're going, to, you know, there's things you do all the time, and one of them is, is tied to your mouth and your tongue and confessing, 
And, and I've learned this is probably one of the most valuable things I've ever learned and used, and it works. That's, that's huge. I don't want to know stuff and go, I know that. That don't work, but I know it. I want to do stuff that, that every time I put it into practice and I do it and I'm, I, and I'm constantly going over the same subject over and over so that I don't lose sight of what has made me and gotten me where I am. All right. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now the word, word there, and I want you to write this in your Bible, is the Greek word rhema. It's not the word logos. It is not the, you know, the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was made God, and the word was God, and words made God. So we're talking about the logos of God, or the word of God, or the Bible. But the, but the rhema is the written word spoken. So Mark Hankins says that God spoke it so they could write it, and they wrote it so you could speak it. And, and, and I want to show you something. Without the, the word of God does you no good until it's spoken. It doesn't do any good. It's, it's dormant. And so I'm going to start off by showing you something that is just a little illustration, and it's, it's cute, but you'll figure it out. What is this? What is it? A bullet. It's a bullet. Is it deadly? can be. She answered right. It can be. But right now, it's not. There's no gun. Well, what if I had a gun, no bullet? All right. Now, now stop and think about my illustration. We talk a lot about the word, and we talk a lot about the mouth. But I'm going to tell you, the mouth is worthless without the word. And the word is worthless without the mouth. So what, that's, where, that's what I want you to grab tonight, that we believe in the Word, but how much of it are you turning into rhema? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by rhema. Written word spoken, written word spoken, written word spoken. In other words, the bullet works when you put it in a gun. You put it in a gun, you'll scare a bad guy. I mean, you say... And he goes, who cares? Drop it in a, in a 38, spin the cylinder and point it at him and ask him what he ha, ha, ha now. He ain't ha, ha, ha no more. Put the word in your mouth and Satan goes, no ha, ha, ha now. He don't care if that Bible of yours laying on your counter. He don't care whether you come to church and go, I believe the word from black to black, from front to back, from cover to cover, from index to concordance. He don't give a rip. <laughs> but, the, but the minute you go, well, by stripes I was healed, I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out, Abraham blessings are mine, glory be to God. I am redeemed from the curse of the law, and man, if God is on my side, who could be against me? I mean, the moment you walk around your house and you start putting the word in you, you scare, every you scare the hell out of every devil within a block of your house. He's like, Woo, somebody's shooting over there. That right there is probably one of the most powerful things I've ever learned in my life. I'm going to stop right now and tell you a story. I'm not even near getting ready to get all my, all the, my notes yet. When I worked, con, when I worked construction and I, and I laid block, there was a time that I, that, that I got laid off. And, and, and I didn't get laid off because of my mouth, even though I joke around it a lot, but 
the Lord had laid it on my heart to go to the Bahamas one week a month, and, and one of my bosses says, I don't care, I, 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 don't, I don't need someone who only works three weeks a month, and they let me go. And I started my own business. Well, you understand, when you start your own business, you don't always have a lot of business. So I'm driving down the road, and I'm praying, and the Holy Ghost said, why don't you watch what you say? I went, hmm. See, I'd been praying for days for business and got nothing. I'd prayed and nothing, prayed, nothing, prayed, nothing. I get in my truck one morning, and I'm heading to do a job that's not going to pay me, but like 50 bucks. You know, it's going to be food, but it's not what I normally make. I, mean, I was making about $100 a day working construction. Had to have about at least 100 a day just to, just to pay bills at, at that time. And I remember getting in my truck, and I said, I have work, work, and more work. I have more work to do than what I need in the name of Jesus. I'm blessed coming in, and I'm blessed going out, and Abraham's blessings are mine. I am turning down work in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, within a week, probably a little longer, I was turning work down because I had lined my mouth up. You understand? Nobody knows me. I'm not advertising anywhere. I went and did a job, and the guy called me on the phone and said, I have a whole building I want you to build for me. I mean, by myself, a warehouse that was probably the size of this church, and I laid every block in it, and I worked for about a month on that, and before long, I mean, I'm just out. Then I started painting houses. Now, you... You can make a lot of money painting a house. And so because of my maintenance background, I told people, I said, if you will let me do the painting job over everyone else, I'll change all the washers and all the flappers and I'll, in other words, I'll get all the rest of the nonsense stuff in the house. You don't have to call a plumber for 65 an hour. I'll do it for, I'll do it for five. And they're like, well, you bet. In other words, because let me do all the dumb, let me do everything, but let me have the paint job, which would be $1,800 or, or two grand. And man, I started having work. But it didn't start there. It started with me getting in my truck going, I have more. See, Jesus said I can have what I say. I have more work to do. See, first I was crying. Why? And I need work. I need work. I need work. I need work. There's no faith in that. See, we always go back and revert back to unbelief until we go, oh, what am I doing? I know better than that. All right. Go to John. Um, I think it's five. I didn't write it down. I apologize. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It's John 5, 4. Whatever's born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, what? Faith. All right, now, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, I walk by what? Faith, and not by my five physical senses. Now, why am I reading these to you? Because using your faith is going to mean that you've got to ignore the natural. I don't have any work, but I have work. I am blessed. I've got to look at the Word, and not only look at it, i got to say what it says. i got to say what it says. I'm going to say what it says. And I'm not going to say anything else but what it says. So learning to walk by faith is a discipline. Now, let me explain to you something in the natural. When I was a private pilot, one of the things they will tell you, and I, when I tell you this, I know you're going to look at me like I've lost my mind, but, it, but it's true. When you're in an airplane, you cannot feel 
whether you're upside down or not. You can't feel if you're turning right. You can't feel if you're turning left. Now you say, yes, I can. That's because you're looking out the window. I can put a blindfold on you and ask you what we're doing. You'll say, we're climbing. We're turning left. We're going down. And we're not doing anything. You're hearing noises and your body is really goofy. So in order for you to learn to fly by instruments, they got to take you out and prove to you that if you don't trust the instruments, you will die. You will die. What's the guy not too long ago, a few years ago, uh, the one, the senator, the Kennedy boy that got up there in New York? Well, he had an instructor with him, but the instructor never taught him. In other words, he leaned, he relied on the other guy. He relied on him. He relied on him. He never let him fly and mess up. You got to let him, you got to let him mess up. So they took me out on an airplane one night and got me in the, pulled it up and they pulled it up in the air and nosedive, turn right, turn left. And I'm, and I'm blindfolded, and he hands me the yoke and says, what do you think we ought to do? And I swear we're turning right. And I jerked the yoke to the left. We were in a left bank. I rolled the airplane upside down. He said, you're dead. Scares the mud out of you. Then he says, you need to get your instrument ready. You've got to learn to fly by instruments. Learning to fly by instruments is, is total discipline of that instrument is law. The way you feel means nothing. Now you're flying along and it says you're at 8,000 feet and you're headed 180 and you want to turn 270 and you do a two-minute turn. You've got to bank over. You've got to wash those instruments. You, you, if you're descending, you've got to add power. You've got to pull that yoke up. You've got to watch six panels at one time and you've got to make that airplane mind based on what you're reading. And then if you're going to shoot, there's an airport down there. It's five miles over that way, but you're in the soup. You can see nothing. And that is what walking by faith is. It is very hard to learn to walk by faith. But once you learn to walk by faith, life becomes easier. Now, let me explain that to you. Because what happens is, you start flying an airplane by instruments even on a clear day. You really don't care what's below you. You don't care whether you're over Jacksonville or Mississippi. You don't care. You look down at the airplane, the airplane says, did, did, did I am, oh, I'm about 27 miles from Valdosta. Your instruments are telling you where you are. You don't, you don't give a rip what that highway is. You can't. There's no science that's 75 down there. There ain't nothing down there. Matter of fact, when you get up there, I can take you up over Orlando and you would not know where you were. Because it don't look up there like a, nothing like no. You're seeing interstates everywhere and you're going, what city are we in? I said, this is Orlando. And they go, uh-uh. I didn't know we had all these interstates. Oh, yeah, because you're looking at everything at once. Now, if I take you out over the edge of the ocean, you could probably go, oh, I think we're somewhere near the Atlantic or something. You, you know, you, you could guess a little bit better. But life, God wants you and I to learn to walk by faith totally. So this is the victory that overcomes the world. This is the, vic this is the victory, faith. If God says, I'll meet all your needs, that's all you need to know. Thank you. But yet, that bullet is worthless. My God meets all of my needs. But you need to put that in a gun. You need to put that in your mouth. My God meets my needs. You need to open your Bible and you need to, out you need to put it in your mouth and say, my Bible says... 
God meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I walk by faith and not by sight. So let's stop everything and let's do it. Say, my God meets all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I walk by faith, not by the way things appear. God's word is true. What I see is not. Amen. Now, that's not going to do you any good. Sometimes, sometimes the bad guy needs two bullets. Or he needs about 25 bullets. He needs, he needs a lot more ammo than that. So, so living like this is, becomes a lifestyle to where you are learning to put the word of God in your mouth because it is what activates it. What else, is, what else do you have in life that is dead until activated? Give me one item. A seed. They found wheat seeds in the tombs in Egypt. You know what they did? Put them in water. Guess what happened? They sprouted. And they've been there since Pharaoh. Never activated. Most people, listen to me very carefully, never activate. Never activate. They don't activate the seed. You're going to have to get this thing in some water. You're going to have to put it in your mouth. And um, so anyway, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Hebrews 4.12. Go to Hebrews 4.12. Yeah, Iran found that out, and Russia and Israel is a little concerned about it, but Iran better be concerned because the moment they do, Israel will stop them. Oh, don't get me on the 38. Let me stop right now. Justin just changed my whole sermon. He didn't really. He didn't really. I really watch, and I, and I really, I really don't want to go over stuff with y'all that you don't, you could get yourself. How much, how many of y'all are actually interested in the Ezekiel 38 war and how much time we got and what's happening on a timeline and because I don't mind preaching on that but most of the time everybody leaves church scared. Oh my God, we're all going to die. Well, I have news for you, you're going to die anyway. Antichrist or no antichrist, you're going to die. <laughs> but Jesus said, if you believe in me, you never die. So you just leave, you just change addresses. I, I, I enjoy watching it. Uh, I would almost prefer to tell you where I get my information. Israel Now News. Behold Israel? Huh? Is it Behold Israel? Behold Israel? Yes. Is it Behold Israel? I think it is Behold Israel. Behold Israel. Behold Israel. Uh, there's an app. Um, he will, he will keep, he's a Messianic Jew that was in the IDF. He was way up in the IDF. So he's very into what's going on and you can, you can keep up with what's happening. Um, there's other things that I would like to recommend for you to do. Start reading more Rick Renner. So I, so I don't have to keep preaching on live right. I'm not going to spend every Sunday like last Sunday. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to do a lot more of this. But there are, that scripture came to life when Lisa read it to me. Some save with compassion and some with fear. I am concerned about people who think this is all big joke. Uh, honey, we're, we're kissing the rapture. 
It's in, our, it's in my day. It's in your and my day. It's here. It's, it, it's now. The new world order is full-blown. China's full bore trying, trying to take over America. And the average Christian sitting around doing, doing slap nothing. Anyway, so um, I, I got to tell you all this, if you all don't mind me whining a little bit. Can I whine? Um, I don't understand the term I'm raw. Um, she's not the one that said it. Actually, Kansas is the first one that said it. And then I said it. I'm raw. Um, direct. I've had people come that came one time and said, you need to break it into them slow. We're, we're years from the rapture. How by God slow do you want me to go? When America is in the biggest bunch of fat babyhood stage I've ever seen in my life, you want me to pull punches. Uh, I think I'm mild, but that's me. I think I'm mild. I don't think I'm... I, I think that it's bold, but... but why is my bold, am I just bothering your flesh that bad? Why don't you repent? See, if you're living right, there's nothing I'm going to say in this probably going to bother you. Why are you blaming the messenger for your lukewarm condition? I'm trying to teach some of these kids that it would be real sweet if you just actually read your Bible and started going to church and acting like there's a God. Before they wake up one day and go, we screwed our life up. Amen. Amen. So that's enough of that. But, um, but I don't like being called uh, direct and double D and all that. No, I'm just not a coward, that's all. Thank you all. I realize that bothers people. Now, maybe I shouldn't have said all that. Angela, I wasn't picking on you. No, really, I was not because... She, you know, I'm the one that made a joke when Kansas started calling me raw. But in all reality, um, most of the preachers I know are big wussies. They're more interested in their ties and their than you. Amen. Don't shut me down, folks. I mean, I I'm doing my best to show you that sin will kill you. And I don't really want you to leave church and go, we're going to go find another church because I just kind of, I don't know. Is that, do you understand that? Yes. Yeah. It, and so that what happens, what's happening in America now, the church is putting pressure on the preachers. Shut up. Yes. That's right. And, and, and what you're doing is you're voting with tithes. You look up on Sunday morning and, and, you know, a year ago, you couldn't buy a seat in here. There's a lot of lukewarm, half-baked, lazy Christians. And we're in the middle of a real war with a foreign country. You're kissing the, the, the tribulation period, and you don't care. That's sad. I'm like, oh. So having said that, I'm still going to back off just because, you know, if you want it, go find it. Go, go to Rick Renner, what, how, the world going crazy. Read it yourself. You know, because, I, I mean, I'm reading his, better than me reading it to you, because that's what I'm going to do. I can't preach it like Rick. And so I don't want people walking out thinking I'm mad all the time. I'm not mad at all. Concerned, I am greatly concerned. 
I've seen a big change in church. I've seen a big change. There's less than 50% of Americans go to church now. There's a lot of things. I mean, it's, the falling away has begun, and it, and it should concern you. Yes. And, and when I'm talking about even Christians who come to church are still half-baked and think, I'm, I'm fine. You're not. And your kids aren't either. I know we don't read our Bibles, but I don't know. Just lighten up a little bit. No. <laughs> I'm not lighten up. You don't care what God thinks? Well, that is sad, sad, sad. So having said that, there's, we're living at a very different time. Anyway, you ready to get back into some good news now? So Angie, I wasn't picking on you. Honest to God, I was not. But, but occasionally I will tell you this. I walked into a, a pastor's meeting one day. And, and, and I realized that one lady told me one time, she says, if one person calls you a jackass, don't worry about it. But if 10 people, you're probably a jackass. <laughs> and I'm going, okay. When, when I have all the pastors 